Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. You can find me on Facebook at Galen Trombley, on Instagram at Galen Trombley, and on YouTube at Galen Trombley. Spelling G-A-E-L-A-N-T-R-O-M-B-L-E-Y. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. Welcome to episode 134 of the Galen Trombley Show. My guest today is Steve Moffitt, and you are currently the head coach of the Plattsburgh State men's hockey team. That's right. Yeah. And then a long career with Plattsburgh State, so you're, not, you're no stranger to the, uh, the, uh, the college, no stranger to the team, no stranger to the program. Uh, but Steve, anybody that does not know you, kind of give us a little background, how you got to be 2021 Steve Moffitt. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, thanks for having me. This is awesome. It's, uh, thanks for putting this on and 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 bringing everybody in around the community to to uh kind of chat with you it's uh it's really really good stuff that you're doing for for plattsburgh uh university and plattsburgh state and, and the community so well done um a little bit about myself yep this is uh i'm in my third year of being the head coach here at plattsburgh even though we did not play this year we actually still uh practiced and and uh you know working towards next year um but to kind of backtrack, I, I ended up coming to Plattsburgh State University. I was recruited to play hockey in, uh, back in 94, which is uh, – <laughs> I, when I say that, I'm like, wow, I, I am really old. Because <laughs> you still kind of think, like, I just graduated. You know, yeah. I could still play. There's no way in hell I could play right now, you know. So it's funny but when I start thinking about that. But so – Graduated in 98, played two years of professional hockey in the East Coast League, came back to Plattsburgh State, got my master's degree um, in school counseling, and uh, actually worked at Seton Catholic as a, as a school counselor there. And then Kevin Houle, who was the women's head coach now, was the old men's assistant. He took over the women's team at that time, and I kind of jumped into his spot as, as the assistant coach there. So... Um, here for about 10 years and then went over to Castleton University for three years as a head coach there, came back. Um, and I, I can't remember all the years, That's all right. you know, the, the, You're doing dates, good. <laughs> the dates, but I, I know the years and the times, uh, came back and was, uh, Bob's assistant coach, uh, Bob Emery's assistant coach mm -hmm. again for three more years. And then he retired and I was fortunate enough to get the job, um, three years ago. So, so you've been coaching over 20 years now. Yeah. Or roughly. Yeah. It's, does, uh, does it feel like that? Some days. Yeah. <laughs> some days it feels like 120, but other days it doesn't, you know, it's, I'm really lucky. I do something that I have a passion for. I don't feel like I have a job, Yeah, you know, which is, I guess, you know, when, when you, when you grow up, I think you always want to make money and be rich and and have the huge houses and the nice cars and all that. And, but at the end of the day, for me, I fell into something that I loved and something, as I mentioned, have, have passion for, and I don't feel like I work a day in my life. So, so if you go back to when you went to school, you went, what would you originally graduate with your bachelor? Uh, sociology. Okay. Sociology. Then you went and then you came back and you said you got your master's yep. in teaching. Uh, uh, Certificate of Advanced Study in, in edu uh, Education okay. and School Counseling. So 
was was being a coach ever like the plan? Was it like a fallback? Did it just fall in your lap? So yeah, it was kind of a plan. When I was playing, I played in Columbus, Ohio, and uh, Fort Myers, Florida, in the East Coast Hockey League, and um, injuries were a big part of the game and had a couple major concussions and just got to a point where like, all right, I'm not going to make the NHL. You know, I still thought, I, I kind of thought at that time, like there's maybe I can, uh, played a couple years and just the injuries were, were crazy and, and really kind of saw the business side of things and just kind of saw the writing on the wall. Like, all right, this is probably as high as I could go. Yeah. I could hang around and play another four five, six years or whatever, but I wanted to kind of get moving on my, you know, with, with a career, uh, called Bob actually and said, Hey, I'd, I'd love to get into coaching. You know, I have obviously passion for the game. What can I do? And he goes, if you come back, get your master's degree here and help, help us coach. Great. So that's what I did for two nice. years and then, uh, got my master's degree, then worked at Seton. So yeah, it was just, just kind of wanted to stay in the game. If you can't, the, the, the next best thing to play in is coaching. Mm -hmm. You don't have any control, as much control as you do as playing, but that the adrenaline, adrenaline rush of winning and losing games is, is still there. Oh, yeah. So, I, uh, so how old were you when you stopped? Or about 24, 25? Maybe? I was, yeah, 26. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, at that point, you're, st which I, we look back at now, and I'm, I'm early 30s, but I still look at 26 like that. It's such a kid. Like, even, even when I was, thinking as myself as 26. So you were probably at the time, like it was probably a, a, a tough decision for you to make, but probably a wise decision to make too at the time. Cause did you feel like you were like giving something up at the time? Or did you really feel like, Hey, this, I have this, I'm out. Like this is too much. Cause I know guys always like to hold on too long, too long, too long. And yeah. not in a bad way. Cause you never get those years back of playing. But like you said, it's like, no, nah, I got to start advancing my career and become an adult and just like move on. And <laughs> yeah, I honestly, if I had to go back, I think I would have played one more year mm -hmm. At, or, or cause it just didn't happen. How, you know, and, and again, it's the business side of things. You, you know, I, I ended up getting traded. I was hurt and I'm like, you know what? I, I'm living in Fort Myers, Florida. I get traded to Toledo. I'm like, I am not going to Toledo, <laughs> you know? And I just said, forget it. I, you know, I'm kind of done with it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but I do kind of wish I went, I played one more year just to go out maybe a little bit more on my own, my own terms. Um, cause I still had, I had the desire, I think to play, just not the desire to deal with the, the stuff that you, that's behind the scenes and that business what, aspect. Of what's it. the hardest part at that level? Is it more physical or is it more mental? Like if you said like, Hey, like, Physically, I could hang with the guys, but mentally, I just my heart wasn't there. I mean, you think that was that's a great question. I, I think it's a little bit of both because it is a mental grind, especially at that level. There were many days and many guys, you know, that you would literally walk around the corner with like one eye open and is my bag packed? Is my sticks like, and do I have a plane ticket sitting there? Am I gone? Like you literally would think that sometimes walking into practice, you'd be like, all right, I made it through, you know, yeah. now I can practice, but yeah. there's no, that's no way of playing either. Cause you're so worried about getting shipped out or cut or whatever like that. You know, you, you can't play the game without a clear conscience. And, do, do you think you lost the fun of it too? Like you it lost a little bit of its aura for you once you started finding the business aspect and kind of work commodities on a team and not really I'm playing with my, you know, playing with the boys on the high, like the college or the high school team. 
A little bit, yeah. And my two, it was funny, my two pro seasons were kind of um, completely opposite. So I played in Columbus, Ohio, and we were like, you know, kind of the bad news bears, so to speak. We were good. We were first in our conference. We're a great team. But everybody on that team was a free agent, except for two guys who were under NHL contract. Mm-hmm. So that was in 99 or 98, 99. Columbus Blue Jackets came in, in that year, 99, 2000. So they got rid of. As an NHL team? As an NHL team. Oh, they're that team. old? Okay. Yeah. So the Chill, which was the name of our team, the Columbus Chill, disbanded so we were put into a draft i got picked up by the everblades florida everblades so went down there and it was the complete opposite every guy except for two of us and i was one of them every other guy besides myself and this other guy were under nhl or ahl contract and i was free agent east coast league guy Mm -hmm. so my roommate on the road was 19 year old kid named ty jones he's um 14th overall pick in the NHL draft by Chicago. I'm 25 year old guy played division three hockey. Well, who do you think they're going to play the yeah. kid? They have a couple million bucks, you know, mm-hmm. invested in or, or me that they're paying like $400 a week. Mm-hmm. Of course they're going to play that guy. Right. So even though he might not have been as good as me, they were still going to, they needed to develop him, mm-hmm. you know? So that was the hard part dealing with stuff like that. But the, you know, it was a grind riding on the bus. You don't know how long Florida is, or I didn't know how long Florida was until I had to drive it in a yeah. bus. And <laughs> from Fort Myers to Tallahassee, it's it's like six hours. You're like, I'm still in Florida. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so you're dealing with that. You're playing 80 games or whatever it is. Obviously, bumps and bruises the whole nine yards. But um, so you kind of worked with both physically and mentally grinding schedule. Did you play at... um? In Estero? Yep. yep. You, so you played at that center right there on 90, whatever? Yep. We drive by it. We, um, we got family in Naples, so we go down every year, but we always drive by it and have different things. Right by the outlets? Sure. Okay. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So I was just wondering, because I think they still have a team right now. They do. Is it the same yep. team? Same team. Okay. Because yep. yep. um, I always see it on the banners and stuff. I didn't realize it was the same, same squad. Um, so I guess from the pro ranks or going into the pros, when like how many again going to from d3 how many guys from d3 you think rise up to the ranks like because obviously it goes nhl ahl's the minor leagues you know and this is one step it'd be like double a double a baseball yep okay so um at that time i think there was in fact we had three on our team in in columbus but there was probably five in the league and three were on one team wow okay and one (laughs) kid named Jay Pecora played here at Plattsburgh for a year and, and another guy played at St. Mike's. Really? So we had three guys that were all from an hour. Northeast guys. Yeah. Yeah. Northeast guys. Um, but I think, you know, more and more kids because hockey's getting so much better now. Like there's more and more, it's not as, it's not as rare. Now there's more and more kids playing the East coast league right now. AHL from the division three. three. Yeah. Now for division three, what, what's the, and again, I grew up, um, watching Plastic State when I was a kid. And again, it was a lot of cool traditions and I'll, we'll get into that. But when you look at, you know, going to the final four and you're going to, you know, the, whatever you guys, the NCAA tournament, mm-hmm. I guess not the elite eight, but the NCAA tournament, um, how come most of the teams, there's probably an easy explanation, but most of the teams are from the Northeast or like Minnesota. Is that just because that's where the D three teams fall or 
Yeah. Because I... if you look at like basketball, there's D3 teams around the country, but hockey, it's like really in a few spots, which... It is. Two-thirds of the teams are in the East. Mm -hmm. third of the teams are in the West. So, um, but there's more and more teams coming. There's only 70 teams, Division Three college hockey teams. There's only 60-some Division One teams. So there's only 140 teams where kids can play college hockey. Wow. Okay. I mean, I don't know the number, but there's probably 140 Division Three soccer teams. Oh, yeah. At, you know, at least. Probably. I think football, <laughs> there's like 200 D1 schools or something. So, there's right, there's just not. So people are like, oh, you're, you're, you're playing Division Three hockey? Yeah, but there is no D2. Yeah. And there's only 60 teams, D1. It's it's incredible how, how hard it is to play at Plattsburgh State hockey. Well, and, and that's the thing. I think we take it for granted just because it's in our backyard. But then when you start looking at, like, you see the same teams every year. Like, Plattsburgh State, Norwich, Middlebury, you see was it Wisconsin Superior, or, or, or Stevens Point. Like, yep. these same teams, you, you pretty much... Have the, I mean, you have 70, but there's really like what maybe 10 to 12 that shift around every year. Well, I there's a little there's bit probably more, more depth, than that, like a little more depth now. 10 years ago, yeah, there's probably 10 or 12 teams now. There's probably like 25 teams, really. That can okay, win. it's just it's a business, you know, you're getting 30 kids in mm -hmm. to increase your enrollment, and they're all most of them are out of state or international kids, so you're getting more money for that. It's it's a it's a big time business right now. So, when, when it comes to recruiting, what's that process like? And did you have to do a lot of that as an assistant coach? Recruiting is 90% of the job. Yeah. Coaching, the actual X's and O's is 5% of the job. You know, you're always, you're always looking for that next kid, the next, you know, uh, Joey Ferris. You know, mm -hmm. you're looking for that kid, and it, it's getting harder and harder. So for us, it really starts in September. Uh, goes basically there's about six or seven weeks where you're gone every weekend, Thursday to Sunday, you know, you can be anywhere from Minnesota to Winnipeg to Boston to Vancouver searching for these kids. And, uh, you just start to try to develop a relationship with them, try to get to know them, get to know their parents, get to know their coaches. What's he like in the locker room? What's he like as a student, you know, try to figure them out and then just stay on them because usually, they don't want to talk to us in September either, right? They're like, oh, I want to play Division One school. So they kind of give you the, the Heisman a little bit, and you just have to kind of stay on them and, and work with them. And, is, and then, is this September of their senior year of high school, junior, so senior? So, no, we, we're different in that regard. We, we're talking more junior age kids, which are anywhere 18 to 20. Oh, gotcha. Okay, yes, yep. yes. So yep. we're talking to 20-year-old kids, yep. and this is their last year of junior, so their next step is college. Which would be the following fall. Which would be the following fall. Gotcha. Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, so where, where do you guys, so you're, you're gone, you said about six weeks nonstop, yep. just like on the road, living in a suitcase, door to door, wherever. And do you go by yourself? Do you take assistance? Do you? Usually we're split up because you need to cover as much ground mm -hmm. as you can. Because once basically October 30th comes and the season's in, it's really hard to get out. So you need to have your pool of, of kids and then say it's, hundred kids that you have. And then you start, you know, one kid gets a scholarship. One kid goes to this school. Another kid stays at home to be with his girlfriend, you know? So now you're down to 50. Now it's like, all right, here, here's our group. Now we have to figure out who we want. Who's the A guy, you know, who's the guy that fills a spot that 
fits that puzzle that we're trying to build here, who fits the culture. So you start trying to weed them down there. Then you might end up with like 20 guys that you really, you know, really interested in. Mm -hmm. And some guys fall off, but you might find two more guys too. So it's, it's kind of an ever, you know, it's an evolving list. Do you have, do you have like a number in mind when you go out, like how many people you want to start the season with and um, how, what, what do you start that? And then what do you start the season with and what's the final roster look like? So we have 29 stalls in our locker room. Mm-hmm. So that's really all we can have. And that's a good, it's a pretty good size roster. There's a lot of teams that have a lot more than us. There's mm-hmm. a handful of teams that have less than us in, in a perfect world. We'd, we'd love to have less, but it just doesn't work out. We don't have those scholarships to be able to, to nail kids in. We just lost a kid, you know, two days ago that was here last year and it's not coming back for he's pursuing other options. So you're always losing a kid. So you need more than what you really need. And how many, how many dress for a game? So there's uh, 19 skaters mm-hmm. and then three goalies always dress. Okay, well, so you have 22 that would 22 be on the final roster. Yep. Yep. Um, and the other guys, the other six, seven guys, they're the guys that you see dressed up just kind of on the sidelines, up in mm-hmm. the up and watching. Yep. Um, so when you, go, when you go out to meet these or watch these kids play, like when, how do you catch wind of them? Is it more relationships with coaches? Is it you know, game footage? Yeah, so a lot, different, different ways about it. It might be, hey, we saw them last year. So you're always recruiting. You always kind of have your eye for this year, but you always also have in the back of your mind, hey, this kid's, he's only got one more year left. We need to keep an eye on him. And so you you kind of build your, your list year to year, and then you talk to coaches, and then, you know, hey, you talk to this Division One coach. Yeah, you better watch him. He might fall through the cracks because they're out, they're out watching kids more than us. Mm-hmm. So, okay, that's how we do it, and you just kind of – just kind of develop that list there. So some of the kids that fall through from D one don't make, they can't make those teams. They have to go to D three. So are those typically the more of like the, the blue chip recruit kind of things of the, of the division three classes? Sure. That we're always looking for a division one mistake. Mm-hmm. Like somebody missed this kid or that it was just filled up, which this year is crazy with, with COVID and everything. So a lot of kids did not play hockey this year. Um, the NCA granted the seniors or everybody another year of eligibility. So we have two out of five seniors coming back. Mm-hmm. So that eliminates spots. So say, say across the board, you half the seniors came back to all the schools. Well, you still have 200 kids say that need to find a spot to play, mm-hmm. but usually there'd be 200 spots. Now there's only hundred. Yeah. So there's going to be a hundred kids not finding a place to play. And this is at the D one level. And D three level, okay, both. So, and but you might get some good overflow. Yeah, potentially. Potentially, yeah. there's still not enough room. So there's like 300 kids in the tra- there's a transfer portal. So every day somebody gets in there, they're like, you know, I, I didn't make this team or I didn't play as much as I wanted at the D three or D one level. So they're gonna wow. try to transfer. Well, there's just not enough room for those guys either. So there's like a message board for this. People <laughs> go on, put it in. All the coaches kind of. Pretty much start DMing them or whatever. And yeah, I mean, it's just, yep. but it's, it's kind of nice because it's right there. At least you can see it. Yeah. Yep. You can. Cause I think so. the hardest part is going to all, I mean, how many, how many teams do you recruit from when you like that you go out and look at, like how many eligible teams in different leagues and there, Oh boy. I, there's a hundred probably. Yeah. You it, know, there's, 
there's five leagues in Canada. There's three or four leagues in the, in, in the United States, but each league has 20 teams, 20 teams, yeah. you know? So, I mean, there's, there's 200 probably. So you really got to pick and choose where you spend your time. Right. So for example, Minnesota, if they have a team, you know, they have a bunch of teams that play in the North American hockey league. Well, Minnesota kids generally don't come out East because they, for, for a lot of different reasons, why should they, they have a bunch of teams right there and universities, colleges to go to. And two, they, all those schools get like in-state tuition mm-hmm. and reciprocity around like Wisconsin, Minnesota, you know, even into Illinois. Um, so they're going to stay out there. So you kind of can cross those guys off. Like they're not coming. And a lot of Northeast kids don't go to Minnesota to school. Um, so a big thing in, in recruiting is elimination. If you can eliminate a guy, great. Yeah. That's half the battle. You sift him out. You sift him out. And then, okay, this kid, he's, uh, he wants engineering. Well, we don't have engineering. All right. He's out. You know, so you, it's just another way of eliminating guys and to get that number into a more feasible working number. So how does a college play? Cause again, you can't get scholarships, but like what's stuff that you can pitch to kids from Plattsburgh state? Cause I mean, hockey, number one, you know, sure. but what, what are some of like, Hey, these are the good things about Plattsburgh state. If we wanted a kid to come play here, these are the, these are our, here's our pros. Why you want to come play, you know, for Plattsburgh state or for you or whoever. Yeah, I think, um, you definitely want to try to sell the, the tradition, the history of the program, the success the program's had our facilities, our locker room. We just redid last year. It's beautiful. Um, just how we treat our guys. We call it, we're a division one program at the D three level. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I think even more important that really worked 10 years ago. Now kids, kids want that relationship. So it's a lot of time texting. It's a lot of time. They don't like to talk on the phone. So you're texting mm-hmm. all the time. You know, my yeah. wife's like, Do you get the texting thumb. Oh yeah. My yeah. wife's like, would you get off the phone? I'm like, I'm working. No, you're not. I'm like, yeah, I'm texting. Johnny, yeah. Joey, Jimmy, Sam, you know, yeah. all the time. You're just constantly texting. And, um, so, but you have to build those relationships. And that's up. what current players too, right? Current players too. Yeah. 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 So it's a little bit different. So kids will come more because you have that, that personal relationship and then, and then obviously everything else that you can add to them, you know, a lot of hockey players want business. Plattsburgh state business program yep. is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. So that's a huge selling point for us. Um, you know, kind of a big fish in a small pond. You're kind of a big sport there. You get a lot of fans. That's mm-hmm. all exciting for kids. Um, so, you know, and then if you can get them up on a day like today, when it's 75 out and sunny and kids fall in love with the campus. Yeah. So different when it's, you know, 25 out and snowing and they're freezing on their, you know, on their, on their tour. So that's a big thing. Is that, do you play into that? You try to like force kids to come better days. I mean, best you can, but you know, when the weather is typically better. Sure. You try to get them up early in the fall when it's Mm -hmm. nice. It's a nice ride up because let's face it. Plattsburgh's not, you know, next door to Boston or Toronto or, or wherever these kids are coming into. So when they're, when they're driving in, they want to see it's when it's, you know, the, uh, the leaves are changing. It's, it's nice to come in that time. So when, when the, uh, the rink was redone and they had the whole facelift on the rink. Cause I, again, I remember the old days. I mean, obviously you do too. You put many years there, but 
um, the old bleachers and just like, you know, the, uh, was it the zoo crew? I don't know if they still have them around as, no. as prevalent as they used to be, but now you have the seats and things are much more branded to Plattsburgh state. Um, one, I'm assuming that was needed at the time, but how that, like, how does that compare to other programs right now? The facility wise, our rink is great. It's, it's phenomenal. And you know, there's a handful that might have better rinks, but mm-hmm. I think day in and day out ours, we can, we can sell ours against anybody's, whether it's the best in the country or not. You know, what we want to try to do this year and, and moving forward is try to bring back that, that atmosphere, that yeah. zoo crew atmosphere, try to get the band back, try to get some, some different, um, traditions that we used to have, you know, that's kind of fallen off for one reason mm-hmm. or another. Um, and, and try to create a younger crowd too. And, um, that's something that's a big goal of mine coming up. Um, the one thing I miss is the couch, the couch, the, ca- yeah. the couch. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I get it. It doesn't, it's not the most glamorous thing, but that was one of the greatest things to win, especially as a kid. If you won the couch, you're like living high in the hog over there and you're excited. No doubt. Unbelievable. And I, I think for, for, I mean, little funny things like that, but it's, if you take, um, I think the big thing is like, you have a lot of kids that play hockey around here. It's like trying to get them more involved in the program, like the little kids mm-hmm. bring them to games and like, they see it, they grow up with it. I never played hockey. I love watching hockey. I, I, I'm kind of one of those guys that I watched Plattsburgh state. I, you know, and I think it was fast pace. You know, as you, as you know, reasons why you love hockey, it's like, it's, you know, fast, fast pace. They hit, it's kind of a thing to do during the winter to pass the time. And then the program was good. So like we went, um, I remember watching a lot like late nineties up, up probably till I went to Plattsburgh state. Yep. Um, I kind of, when I went to Plattsburgh, I actually stopped watching hockey as much cause I was just busy with all this stuff. Sure. But sure. growing up, love going to hockey. Um, I remember that I still remember vividly the 2001 team that won. Yeah. I remember listening on the, uh, Ducky Drake calling it on, on wiry and they beat, uh, I think it was, uh, RIT. Yep, yep. And I just remember like listening to it, like at my house. Cause I'd watched them all the year. And obviously I didn't go to the game, but it was, uh, it was pretty wild. Like, I mean, it's just like good traditions. I have very good memories of it back then. Um, what's your, what's your favorite tradition that you guys had back then? I guess tennis balls. Yeah. They took that away. Yeah. Yeah. So we go. It's another thing that's been thrown around and, and would possibly like getting something back like that. Um, it was just unbelievable. If, if we had that now, the publicity that Plattsburgh State and Oswego would get on that game would be through the roof. Because every through time it was packed. What did the old stadium hold? Probably high twos? Oh, it was for like four. 4,000? So we're at two now. It was like four. And I remember going to Oswego, standing room only, tickets sold out. You had your tennis balls. You would try to go to play it against sports like yeah. sometime during the week yeah. to pick them up. And then you just chuck them out. And it was, I mean, we always got a penalty. Nobody cared. It was great. It was the greatest thing. And I mean, may, maybe not, you know, well, and that, you guys as players, but. That was probably the start of the end. Mm-hmm. When they started giving penalties was the craziest thing ever. Like. It was a delayed game, right? It was a delayed game. And yeah. that just created more animosity and then more, oh, and Oswego guy's going to throw out a tennis ball just to get them, a, you know, to give us a penalty. And, yeah. and it happened down there. One of our fans threw a bagel out on the ice for them, and they ended up getting a penalty, and we scored on it. It was just ridiculous. <laughs> like, just don't give a penalty. Yeah. And, and nobody's going to. It's a tradition. Yeah. Right. It's nobody's going to throw anything. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure the, as a player, you must have loved it. Oh, my. It was just getting rained down on, on. Especially when you're. Because Oswego did the same thing, right? Or they, no? they threw bagels out. Bagel, yes. okay. Yep, yep. Uh, which is worse than tennis balls. It's worse to clean that up. 100%. Those things break and scatter, and you got crumbs everywhere, and then you're trying to play in the crumbs. I I mean, the tennis ball thing, they had it cleaned up in five minutes, exactly. if that. 
It, yeah, and it, it wasn't a... Yeah, the delay game was... You know, if it, it took five minutes, it took five minutes. If, if, if that. If that. If that, yeah. Because, I mean, everybody knew they were doing it. So right. every all hands on deck, I'll swiggle game, go out, put your tennis balls. All the, all the staff, get the tennis balls out, all the, or the college kids. Um, yeah, I, I actually forgot about that. That was when they stopped doing that. Oh, boy. 2009, uh, I'd say... Seven, yeah, eight, nine, ten. Seven, eight, nine, ten. I'd say in there. Um, yeah, it was just—it's it, just a shame because that was such a fun event for everybody. Both schools. Yeah, everybody loved it. We loved it when we got we we were down there and we got pegged with with bagels too. Like nobody. It was just funny. Yeah, it was just fun. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, because at the end of the day, you guys are all kids out there having fun. You know exactly. what I mean? It's like, and that's why I think people lose focus of it's like it's it's hockey. It's relaxed. It's not yep. delay game. It's such a joke. But um, from your playing days, what is um, what do you remember most about being like out? You know, in the crazy atmosphere of the hockey days? Because you you had the back in the days where they had the the white jer- maybe, maybe I don't know maybe. If, if I'm dating you here, maybe this is, but with the blue lines on the sleeve and you had, okay. Cause I always think those guys are like, that was like the real old jerseys, the throwbacks are like the red bird and the blue on the sleeves. Yeah. So you were after that. I was after the red, white and blue. Yeah. So, um, I just remembered, you know, obviously the, the crowds were big and, um, we were, we were always good, you know, and, and that was part of it. That was, that was, that's what drew you to Plattsburgh is like, you wanted that chance to, to win championships, mm-hmm. whether it's league championships, play for a national title. And it's something that we talked to, you know, about our guys too. And, you know, we were talking about uh, golf earlier before we got on and, you know, use an analogy a lot like Tiger Woods. He just wants a chance on Sunday on the back nine. And that's what I tell our guys. We just want that chance. We might not win them all, but mm-hmm. we want that chance. And uh, so I think that was the, the fun part of it. And, and just, you know, playing with you, they're your best friends. You know, those 25 guys on that, that team are your best friends and guys that you talk to and have, you know, text chats and there's 15 guys on it and you're all talking about the same things from 20 years ago, 30 years ago, you know, and that was, you guys still stay in touch. Oh my God. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. That's cool. It, It is cool. It's, um, it's just, uh, the way, I mean, I think everybody's doing it, but I, I think when you're, you go through those kind of ups and downs with teammates and, and battles and, and things like that. And, and now we're getting older. So you're dealing with other things, yeah. you know, real life problems and, and they, they reach out to you to, to lean on you. And I think that's real important. Um, do, do a lot of them come back for like the alumni weekend or for like, cause you guys do a hockey tournament every year or not hockey tournament, golf tournament every year for the hockey team. Yeah. So actually we're going to change that a little bit this year. We're just kind of trying to figure out the, the date. Um, we always have a, so it used to be we would come back and play hockey in the fall before, mm-hmm. you know, in the Saturday afternoon, and then we'd have a game after Saturday night. And then we, we changed it to the summertime and started to have the golf tournament. And we played hockey over at American North. Mm-hmm. Well, nothing against AC North, but the guys want to play at the rink. Yeah. You know, they want to play in Stafford. They yeah. want to get dressed in a locker room and stuff like that. So that kind of fizzled out. and We just had a golf tournament. Now we're going to go back into the fall and have guys come back and play a game at, at Stafford and then play golf on, on the Saturday morning and then, you know, how, hang out. How many, uh, how, how many guys still like play? Do you still actively play in leagues at all? Um, I'll, I'll play pickup. Like it's hard during the year. You know, you're at the rink basically 24 mm-hmm. seven and then you come home, you're like, 
Hey, honey, you know, I'm going to go back and play hockey and, and yeah. Jay-Z at nine o'clock. Like, first of all, you're exhausted. Yeah. Second of all, like the last thing I want to do is see another puck. Yeah. You know, I wanted to sit home and, you know, play with my kid and, you know, hang out and decompress and do it all over again. Yeah. So this year I did. I don't know about next year. You know, we'll see when that comes. How, how, um, how are you still skating and stuff? You still like, cause I guess that what you said before, it's like, I still feel like I'm a young kid, still feel like I have it. And like. I guess what we all wish is that we had our older mind and our younger body, you know, like right, a perfect merger. Right. But how do you feel right now playing like physically? I stay now. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, yeah, you know, relative again, to when you were, yes, a 20 year old or whatever, but yeah, sometimes your brain's working all right, but your feet don't work. Yeah. Sometimes your feet and your hands work, but your brain doesn't work. Like it's just, it's just so fast and I'm not in shape. So yeah. like the first thing that goes when you're tired is your brain. Right. Yeah. And, that was one thing that worked well when I was, when I played, I could kind of think my way around the ice and sometimes it doesn't work anymore, but I still love it. I still, I still love to play. I, I really do. And, and I, and I enjoy it. Um, but it's, it gets frustrating sometimes when you only play in like once a month Yeah. and, and people ask all the time, well, why don't you play? I'm like, the other thing is I can get, if I want, if I have that itch, I'll play against our guys. Yeah. And in fact, that's way more fun for me because even though they're way better and faster than the guys around town, I can kind of keep up because I know where they're going to be or where they're mm -hmm. supposed to be when yeah, you yeah. play in men's league, you know, that guy's supposed to be over there and you pass it and he's on the other side and you, you have no clue because yeah, there's no system, there's no structure. Right. Um, so. so when you, when you do practices, are you skating on the rink also? Like how, how do coaches, I, maybe again, this is a dumb thing, but I never played hockey. How does a coach coach in hockey? You have skates on too. And oh yeah. Guys? Yeah. You're getting in there. Um, you know, I don't, when I was assistant and younger, I would definitely be more involved with the mm -hmm. drills. Now it's let the assistant do that. And then I'm kind of, you're up high or look at somewhere. Just trying to, yeah, you're just trying to look and, and you're trying to really talk to guys too. You want to, you want the, we want our practices pretty fast paced. So mm -hmm. you don't want to stop it and, and correct the mistake. You want to kind of correct the mistakes within the drill. So Johnny's going, he kind of didn't do it exactly how he wanted the, the drill's still going and you're talking to him. So that's kind of how we like to do it. Um, from now, game day, like what's a regular game day at Plattsburgh State? I guess from when you played to how you coach. Is there a difference? Is there a lot of similarities? Um, well, now it's it's busier because usually you want to get your recruits up on game days. Mm -hmm. So, for example, on a Friday, we'll have a morning skate, morning practice, just kind of get the, you know, the cobwebs out, get them up, get them moving. And then usually a... a uh, recruit will come in at lunchtime. We'll have lunch with the recruit. We'll show, we'll give them the tour. They're done at four 30. It's like quick change into your suits, five o'clock. You're ready for the game. So you've, you've had to get all your preparation done the day before. Cause you, you knew that day was going to be too busy. Um, whereas a player, you go to practice, you go home, you eat, you know, you take a nap and you go to the rink. So there's really not much going on. And that's, and you get to the rink, if the game starts at, games are mostly, what, seven? seven? Yep. So about five o'clock you're at the rink? Yep. Guys, you know, anywhere from 4.30 to 5.15. Guys, all the players need to be there by 5.15. Some like to get there early and stretch and warm up, ride the bike, whatever they do. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, we always have team meetings at 5, 5.15 and, um, you know, just go over what we want to do. And, and, and then, but then, you know, we're done. And, and the coaching part is done. It's like, here you go. Yeah. You know, we've done our part. Here's your part. And, and Saturday, 
probably the same or a little bit less with recruiting? Because you guys play a lot of Friday, Saturday games. Friday, Saturday games. Yeah, same thing. You know, hopefully we have another recruit in and and it's the same kind of schedule. If we don't have a recruit in, it'll be like, all right, you know, maybe you'll go home. Uh, but you still have the morning skate? Yeah, you still have the morning skate. Yeah. Okay. Because some guys might not have played Friday that are playing Saturday and yep. they want to get that kind of the blood. And even the guys that played kind of a recovery thing, just get your legs back, blood flowing again. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, when you talk about coaching, like on the sidelines, how is coaching on the sidelines during a game? Like mindset, is it easy? Is it? Uh, I don't know if it. Can they hear you? Because that's a big thing. Yeah. Like people think, and you hear them yelling in the stands, they can't hear you, you know? And, and uh, it's like, just, just kind of calm down. You can hear them. It's like, shut up, man. I'm trying to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's like, sometimes it depends where you are too. Like if it, our defensive zone is by our bench, two periods, mm-hmm. they can hear you there. But if they're at the far end, they can't hear you. Yeah. You know, you're just yelling to yell again, just when they come off, talk to them then and, and, and let them go. So you don't want to overcoach them. You want them to play with, you know, kind of that natural instinct and then just, just kind of, you know, not force them, but just, just kind of nudge them in certain directions. Cause I, I always remember as a kid and of course it's, it's different as I remember, you know, Bob, like standing on the, the side kids going and Bob's red in the face, screaming at a kid that's skating by probably did the same to you when you were playing <laughs> and skating by. And I, I always sat on the plat, typically the Plattsburgh state side. So you can, you're kind of seeing behind him, not necessarily in front. So when he's yelling at a player, it might just be something like you missed a spot or you missed a play or you were in the wrong, you know, a step slower than you should have been or not paying attention. But I didn't know how much you can actually coach while you're on the ice. It just seems like it'd be tough to me. No, you, you really can't. You yeah. can try, but yeah. you can't. It's just too fast. It's when the players fast. too, if they're focused on the puck, they're not. I mean, they can yeah. hear you, but it's like, listen, you're you're second. I got to get rid of that puck. Yeah. What are you gonna say? Turn right and have them turn. Like, it, call up joystick coaches. You can't really yeah. do that at you know my son's age at six and seven. Yeah, you can tell him to go over there and move, but not not it. Um, so when they when players um come off the sideline that or come off the ice or whatever, get in the um. You know, the what do you got? The bench? bench. I guess the bench. I was gonna say team yeah. box. That sounds I'm like that does not sound right. The bench. <laughs> um, so they come in, get on the bench, and you guys are talking. I mean, that's you can coach them obviously there too, and it's just kind of pointing out, you know, is there pointing out plays or pointing out flaws or even pointing out like, hey, listen, this kid, like I mean, I kind I come from like a soccer background, so yep. like I know what we like I did when I coached for a little bit, but um, I mean, is that the stuff you do too? Point out tendencies or point out maybe something you thought that could be an opportunity? Tendencies of both teams. You know, what we're doing well, what we're not doing well, what they're doing well, what they're not doing well, and then what what our players are doing. Like, you know, how's how's Jimmy playing? You know, sometimes you got to give him a, you know, a kick and yeah. let's go. And other times, hey, you know, you got to talk to him and, and figure out why he's not, you know, why he's not performing up to, to par. Now, when you guys go into the locker room, um, in, in between periods, you go in the locker room like, what is that? What's about 15 minutes? Mm-hmm. What's that 15 minutes like? Are there guys that I always picture guys like, are they just kind of chilling because they're kids and they kind of bounce back? Are there guys that are sitting there get, like stretching out and getting work on? Is there, are you doing a lot of talking, a lot of coaching in there? Or is it more of kind of like recompose, get some water or get a snack or something? Yeah. Okay. All of the above really, you know, the first five minutes, just let them go in there, let them tr- sometimes like to hear what they say and let them kind of figure it out yeah. because it's their team. 
And the sooner they realize it and the sooner that they coach themselves, mm -hmm. the better we're going to be. And so we'd like to give them a lot of autonomy on the team. Um, but we'll give them five minutes, kind of figure it out, allow our video to come down. We'll check the video out. Like, boy, our four check stinks tonight. What, what is going on? Or we can't break out. Why can't we break out? And then we'll make that one or two adjustments and that's it. You give them too much again. They're, they're yeah, just keep it simple. freezing, you know? And so we just kind of keep it simple and then we'll go in there. We'll give them two or three points. We'll come back out and then 30 seconds left before we're going out. We'll go in there and give them, you know, something to think about. And then they, they go and play. Um, so when you guys are, um, I guess, discussing stuff or giving them pointers and you, you see it so often in sports, like swings, momentum swings. What, what is it? What do you think causes if you go into the locker room, Player comes out, maybe they had a bad second period. All of a sudden, third period, score three goals, win the game by two, one or two point, uh, one or two goals. You know, I mean, what what do you think is accounts for the swings? Is, you think a lot of it's just this players getting after each other and kind of waking each other up? And do you think that it's might just be some a little bit R and R? Like, it's a found, great question. I I think if anybody could figure out how to stop or start a momentum swing, yeah. you make millions. Yeah, it's just it's just humans. They're just humans, and and we sometimes you. It takes a little bit. Your legs aren't going the first period. It takes you to the second period to get going. Mm -hmm. Sometimes maybe maybe one of the guys gotten you know in their player in their their teammates face and said, "Hey, we got to get going here," or, or maybe the other team just played really well the first period and and now they're coming back to to level and and we didn't play that well and we're going past and and we're getting to back to our level. So there's so many different factors. It's it's crazy and it, it's too hard to. I'm not smart enough to be able to figure it out. It's a, it's always a fun thing though when you look at sports, like how big momentum swings are, I and mean, they happen all the time. It's like it's like you said, it's it, it's like an un, it's an unexplainable thing of sports. It's like it just happens. I don't know. Like basketball is a huge one. You got like people going on, they'll go to ten zero runs on, and the next thing you know, it's eleven two the other way, and you got tie game again. It's like how did this happen? And yeah, um, yeah I mean ho hockey from a coaching perspective, you know, I think. Again, I coached lower level soccer. It was like high school soccer, but it's the idea like you do everything you can so when the kids step out in the field, you don't have to coach. Like right. some people think you don't coach if you're just kind of sitting there. I'm like, well, no, I don't have to say anything. Like, and, and again, same thing. My voice doesn't project out very far. Um, I'm just always laughing at, like you said, you, when people are screaming at you, I'm like, I remember as a player, you can't hear anything. No. <laughs> you can't even hear your mom yelling at you. Like, and that's a voice you probably should pick out over a crowd. I said, so nobody's going to, you can't, even the coaches, sometimes you drown them out. You, sure. Sometimes you might hear them. Basketball is maybe a little easier because it's tight. Um, now, how's the program looking from, because this is what, year three? Yep. Third year? Yep. So what's kind of the, where have you the last three years been? What's the focus going forward? What What do you anticipate going forward? Um, you're playing this year, right? Yeah. Assuming. Hopefully. Okay. Yeah. I was gonna say hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so we're really we have never been this young, and in fact, we'll have 24 players out of 29 that have only played one season of college hockey next year. Wow. So we have we're gonna have two freshman classes that have not played a game. Now other schools are in the same boat, mm -hmm. but we had we were young we were young two years ago when we played we had 12 freshmen in the lineup almost every wow. night so we have never in my time here been through such an extensive basically rebuild we've never had to rebuild we always reloaded well we've had to rebuild just and there's no real reason for it just 
just the cycle of how the players came in and, and left or, or quit or got cut or graduated or transferred, whatever it may be. It's just how it happened. So this year, um, what we were kind of really focused on the last two years of, of recruiting was when we lost two years ago to Oswego, we matched up really well against Geneseo, mm-hmm. who, who is a who's real, been really good lately. Who's been yeah. incredible, but they were fast. They were skilled. They weren't real big and they didn't play big, but they just tried to, to dominate you offensively. But so we could handle them, but we couldn't get past the Swigo to get to them because the Swigo was big and they just beat us up. Match you up worse, I guess. Yep. Yeah. So one thing that we figured we needed was we needed to get bigger, maintain our speed um, and get better, bigger down the middle. So our centers had to get bigger. We were like, you know, I think our biggest center was was six foot. Everybody else was like five eight, and we were just getting killed down mm-hmm. the middle. So we that was a big focus on our on our recruiting. And then the other thing we recruited was captains. We wanted to recruit captains on their junior teams. We just wanted those leaders, those guys that we felt could come in and and enhance our our culture and our leadership group. So I think we did a pretty good job with that. Obviously, time will tell. We haven't played in a year, so um, that was that was the focus of the last two years. Um, so, how many senior? You said you have two seniors coming back. Is three? You had five. Three are gone. Two are back. Yep. Um, now, out of the twelve freshmen you had two years ago, how many of them are still around? All twelve? Ten? Um, yeah. Well, because we didn't play last year, mm-hmm. so everybody's come back. Oh, they have. Okay, they've so- all come back now what happens next year? I don't know, you know, between now and August or uh, sorry, October, I don't know what's going to happen. You know, guys are going to, depends on what they, what, what they're doing in the summer. So what, uh, I, well, I guess like why, why do guys like leave just life circumstances? Do you see it a lot where they transfer schools? Like will you see a kid leave here and go play Norwich or something? I mean, that's cadet school is kind of an odd, but biggest thing is playing time. Yeah. You know, so it's normal, the, the, normal which sports. is normal. Yeah. Right. So if they're not playing, they're probably going to leave. And, or if we don't see, Hey, we don't hit every recruit. You know, we don't, we make mistakes too. Mm-hmm. And it's not that we're trying to do that, but sometimes we do. And it's like, Hey, look, it's just not going to work out. You're not what we thought you were. We made a mistake or, or you didn't pan out or, or we've gotten guys that are better. You can come back, but you, there's no guarantees you're going to make the team. So, so you, you set this expectation up front to almost let the kid get an out to go do something sure. or continue sure. playing. Like, hey, I'd much rather see you go play at a lower-level SUNYAC team and play than play, you know, not play. You know, 100%. Yeah. I'll make phone calls for them. Um, you know, we, again, we're all human beings. Mm-hmm. You know, we want them to, one, you know, get that chance to play, like you mentioned. And, and, and two, you know, hey, they helped me out. Didn't work out. We yeah. left on good terms. Um, now how many, I think I asked before, I don't know if we got, got to it, but how many recruits do you try to get per year? It's all different. So there's no, like, we don't have a set number of like, we really got it. Like 15 is like our, like a number we really want to hit. No. Like, so 12 was huge. Like that's a huge class. Okay. This year we will have probably five or six. Okay. You know, at the end of the day. What's what's average probably about that? Seven, eight maybe? Yeah. Because 12. When they graduate, now you got to get 12. Well, yeah, that's, I mean, that's a huge class. Yeah. It sounds great when you come in, but yeah. Yeah. It's just too big. So if you, if you're losing like six or seven each year, Mm -hmm. then that's a, that's a reasonable class to, to fill. 
How, how many people, people, how many players right now do you have foreseeably going into, if nobody leaves, how many people going into the fall do you have right now kind of on the, on the like main roster, I didn't say main roster, but on the full roster, whatever you have. Yeah, we're, we're still recruiting. So the season again with COVID, with everything that's going on with the division one teams. Um, so I guess that story is division one teams. They commit these kids when they're like 15, 16 years old. Mm -hmm. Well, when they get to 20 and if they don't like that kid, well, guess what? They decommit them. And now he's, now he's stuck or they play one year and it's not who they thought they were getting to. So now they, they're looking for places to play and everything has been pushed back. Like, so our best players generally don't commit until like June, July, August. Okay. So we're still in the midst of, of getting kids. We, we have two guys that we really, really want that will really solidify, excuse me, um, our class this year. So, and they're kind of in the wings, and those are yep. those are the ones you're building the relationship with and really pushing hard. Sure. Um, how many coaches or how many players like that when they go, they're making a decision. How many schools do you think they're really picking from when it comes down to it? Is it usually get down to one or two, one or two, or do they have about six or seven? Or like, man, just well, I mean, I think if it was me, it would be three. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you kind of have you know a good small number. You go visit them all. But then you throw in the CIS schools, the Canadian schools for our Canadian students. So you're dealing with them. You're mm -hmm. dealing with Division One schools. You're dealing with five D three schools. So at the at the end of the day, they might have ten. Yeah. You know, and then they have to figure it out how to whittle that down. And again, I th this year we couldn't go and recruit, so everything was via phone and, and Zoom, you know, Zoom and FaceTime and everything else. So you're trying to, you couldn't talk to them at you know out of the locker room. You have to do it you know, try to do a face-to-face -face another way. Um, so how good does it feel when they commit? Oh, it's natural high. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. Big time. It's you, got a, like I said, it's bigger than a scoring a goal. You kind of deal. Cause it's like for now it is scoring yeah. a goal for me. Yeah. It's like scoring a goal. Uh, you know, we had a, a big time commitment, a division one transfer on Saturday, you know, and it was like, you don't know how you just yeah. made my day. You made yeah. my weekend and the kid's like laughing. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. you know, he doesn't think it's a big deal, but, it, yeah. It's a huge deal for us. Um, how how many players do you think, you know, that either, I don't want to pick on the class you have now, but typically, like, how many D1 players do you think that were D1 guys that probably went to D3 that you guys carry at one time? Is it, like, one or two? So it's kind of like a real special thing? Or is it like, yeah, no, probably about a third of them are fit in that no, class. I, I wish we had a third of them. Yeah. But, was, no, was, <laughs> right. We could possibly end up with, we have... We could end up with four, you know, when all is said and done. We had last year we we got a kid named Marcus Mitchell who was at Alaska, a Division One program, and and he transferred in. Um, then we got a kid on Saturday, and we're dealing with another kid, you know, that that wants to transfer in, and so we may end up with three or four. What's the skill level between them and a D three player? Is it is it pretty noticeable? No. Okay, so it's marginal. No, it's marginal, okay. um, and it it could be little things too, consistency. Mm -hmm. Um, whether it's day to day consistency or shift to shift consistency, you know, weekend to weekend. Well, we kind of talked about golf. It's kind of like all these guys can still all drive the ball 300 yards, but this guy's going to hit a few more fairways and make a few more greens and make a few more putts. And that's, that's right. about it. They all look, they all hit the ball the same. They all look physically the same. Just, right. yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Um, so, um, 
and this is kind of cool because I've never actually like grilled a hockey coach. So it's just like a different a different sport that I've watched from a, a fan perspective, but not like really in it. Now, the one thing I've never been able to understand, and I've had buddies that play hockey and they try to tell it to me, and it's like, I'm like you guys don't even know how this works. I think it's line changes. Yeah. When you guys make line changes, like what's the what's the cue or this? How do you know who's going in for who? When to come off the ice? When to go on the ice? <laughs> well, you know. When your legs start burning, yeah, you better get off. So that's it. So it's about it's about forty five to minute, seconds to a minute, right? It's roughly, yeah, give or take, thir- even even less than that, thirty to forty five seconds, depending. You know, we try to play an up up tempo brand of hockey, so it'll be like thirty seconds to get off. You know, if depending where the puck is, depending obviously. on where the puck is, right? If or if the whistle blows, all right, get another line out there. Like always, just keep going, keep going, keep going, play at a high pace. But that's really so you have to you're really judging by yourself. You mm-hmm. know, if I'm in the defensive zone and my legs are gassed and the puck gets out, I better get off the ice, you know, or I better have enough energy in the tank to get down and then come back again. So players just know this instinctively. Know. Yeah, instinctively. So if you're playing like a now what happens? You got two defensemen, one has a little bit more stabi- uh, stamina than the other one. One guy goes off the ice like cuz I know you have lines. You have like, yep. you know, d- yep. do defensemen also work in lines? They, they work in pairs, tandems, yeah. So it's it's generally like, yeah, I see, you know, you're heading off the ice. All right, I'll, I may hang out for a little bit if I if I feel real good, but then I'll, I'll come off. But most of them go off. Yeah. So they kind much. of like have an unwritten rule of like we're... A little bit. Yeah. I mean, every everything is different. You know, every situation is different. And and that's a big thing, the, the way we coach is we don't want to have those black and white rules. We don't want to box you in. You like, don't want to think about it either. Yeah. Like, yeah. Just play. You're... You know, our guys are 21 to 24 years old. They could all be in the NHL age-wise. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you're an adult. Yeah. Make make that decision. If I have to tell you, we're doing it wrong here. Yeah. Um, so I guess because I see it, like it just looks so fluid that it just, to me, it's like there's got to be something. Like, And it, most of it's, people have said that. It's like, no, nah, it's just when you're tired, just go off. And some guy's looking for you and they go out. Yeah. It's like, hey, next three guys these three guys so they know who they know who's up who's next up in the rotation next, right. so yep. when you got to really start paying attention like if you come off the ice you don't have to pay attention cuz you're not you may not go on for a couple of minutes sometimes yeah. yeah so i'll let them know who's up so i, I work with the forwards reed works with a d he changes all the d i mm-hmm. change the forwards and it's like hey maybe maybe that line had a really good shift we're going to get them right back out there you know cuz maybe they're hot. oh so you could jump them oh yeah yeah okay. it's not like you have to go 1 through 4 1 through 4 it could be 1 2 1 then one, two, three, and then, you know, one, four. So you assign it. Like you're line two. Everybody knows on line two, so you might say two. You might say three, like just so they know. We don't even go that far. We just, because I like to go by field too. So it'll be like, you know, Johnny, Jimmy, and, and Sam from line four. Oh, so you might mix. I might mix. Oh, okay. Too. All right. So just, you're always trying to figure it out. There's a lot of nuances in how this works. But you might just go straight through one through four too if, if you need if you need to. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it like, it works so fluid that it just like something has to, I mean, obviously you've been doing, they've been, well, these guys, by the time they get there, they've been doing it for, you know, sure. well over a decade or more. So probably geez, they start skating at what, three or four. Um, now coaching that, how does that change though? When you're looking on the ice and then you turn back, you got more guys on the, I mean, to you, it's, are you like, what do you think about as you're kind of looking at the ice and following the game as guys are coming in and out so quickly that, Again, I, I come from a soccer background. I know the 11 guys on the field, 11 guys on the field, unless I pop a guy in, and then I'm kind of mentally like, okay, now Johnny's in for Jimmy on the left wing, and then, right. you know, and I know it. But you, they're going so quick. Yeah, that's, 
I guess you get a feel for it. Yeah. And, and you get a feel for who's playing well, who isn't playing well. Sometimes it's like, you know, hey, you know, I'll say to Reed, get get Sam out there. He's He's been awesome. And he'll do the same to me. Like, man, I really like that line. Get him out there again. See what they got. So sometimes somebody else has a feel for it, too, that you might have missed and or you didn't see. So you're always talking. You're always talking to the other coaches. And, and then, hey, if guy's got a goal and – Goal and assist in the first period, he's feeling pretty good. Yeah. You know, get him out there. Riding so, high a little bit. Riding high, right. So we all play better when we're confident and feeling good. What? Uh, how many coaches you have right now, uh, like on the sideline, I guess, with you? So we have usually three on the bench and then one's upstairs. Okay. So And he's our goalie coach, so he's kind of – he's just looking for tendencies that – it's easier to see up there because it's slower. Mm-hmm. Um and and you're not doing as much. You're not managing the bench and and he's guys. radio radioing down to you. Yeah, or he'll just in between periods. Sometimes it's hard to make that adjustment at our level. Sometimes you can. Sometimes you can't make that. Don't adjustment. you guys wear head headsets or no? Uh, we I think ha- Bob did for Bob a while, did didn't? for a while. Yeah, he was you know Secret Service. Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. we don't. <laughs> I'm not that high tech. You know? <laughs> um, yeah, I wasn't sure. Like, yeah, like I said, how all that uh, works in. So, um, so besides hockey, like with the season, does it ever shut off for you, or is it you got a, like a little bit of a lull, like springtime lull? Yeah, or? obviously this time is we're not swamped, mm-hmm. but we're trying to finish that class. But you know, I just sent a you know you're sending emails to guys, you're calling guys, so you're kind of constantly keep it in contact. It's really only 13 weeks away. It's going to be here. Yeah. And we're all going to be like, man, summer went, went by fast. Yeah. So you're working towards that. There's projects that I want to do. You know, we're trying to start a blue line club that will hopefully be involved with, um, you know, a lot of the, the local businesses and, and try to get people involved and excited about the program. And so what's blue line club? So it'll be like a booster club or a, a fan club, mm-hmm. so to speak. Um, They'll get perks, you know, they'll, they'll join for a small fee, uh, but just to get them more involved with the team, get our team more involved with the community. It, the community has been so good to us that you have to, you, you want to give back. You want to be a part of it. You want to, you want to grow those relationships and being that we've missed a year, sometimes like out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. And we don't want that. But on the other side of that, you might have a lot of people that are real excited for hockey to come back or college athletics in general to come back. So why not hit and strike while the iron's hot a little bit? Um, what's the community outreach like for you guys as Plattsburgh? Cause I know when I was a kid, you'd see them doing a lot in the community. I remember one, um, I, I went to Shay Z and I remember there was a, a group that came and played like floor hockey or something. I don't know if it was a fundraiser or whatever. And I remember, uh, a couple of the names I'm trying to think, um, Hodge, who was a really good player mm-hmm. back in the day. And then there was, uh, Derek Shaw, right? Am I thinking the right guy? Yep. He was, I think, on the national one of the national yep. teams. Both those guys. Like that was right about that time, and they all came. And there's a few guys, and they came. it was kind of cool because we were little kids. Like they were two big name players at Plattsburgh at, at the time, and sure. you're like, oh wow, they're playing floor hockey for I don't know what it was, but it was kind of neat to see them there. Yeah. Anything from that, uh, we raise money for uh, Special Olympics at Northeastern New York. We do a hike or a spin, spinathon or a hikeathon mm-hmm. to raise money for that. Um, you know, we'll work with Plattsburgh Youth Hockey, all the youth hockey groups, um, just anything that we can do to get get involved with the community. Um, we'll talk at schools. Um, we'll visit kids. Um, so we're always looking for something new and and exciting to do. If if people have you know 
ideas, we're always open. And the players are usually pretty cool with that? Players love it. Yeah. Yeah, because like you said, I mean, as a college kid, you go to the middle school or the elementary school and kids are talking, do you want your autograph? Like, yeah. that's cool yeah. for kids. It's it's cool for the guys. Well, I think that too. And then also, if it, for a lot of them, this is your, you know, home away from home for four years. And it's kind of nice to be like get get acquainted with the community. And I know... Um, there's a few hockey, a few hockey guys that stay local. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. If, if, not all of them, but I mean, there's a few that end up just, they just, you know, put the roots here and they stay here for years or have a families that get established. So it's kind of cool to keep like past players back in the area. Yep. yep. Um, so, so mine is take, take hockey out. Anything else you do to like unwind, you know, relax. Is it always hockey? Is it? No. Well, I don't know if I relax doing it, but yeah. I, I try to play some golf in the yep. summer um, and, and have been horrible this year. So that's been a, a little bit of stress for me right now. So, um, but love doing that. We have a camp up, you know, and um, just, you know, in Chazy. So we spend some time oh, nice. up yeah. there and, and just kind of, yeah, just kind of relax. And, you know, my son's playing baseball. He plays lacrosse. He's he's into golf too. So he's always running around doing something. So I'm I'm coaching baseball, helping coach baseball, <laughs> coach lacrosse. So still still doing a lot of coaching. And, and um, does he play Plastic Little League? Yep, yep. That's, I I was uh I was actually playing golf early this morning with one of the guys that does Plastic Little League. I think he coaches and he he's into it. He's talking about it. And I'm just giving him crap about it. like you know, all just kind of ragging on him about it. But um, his kid plays. But yeah, it's, I remember. Yeah, Plastic Little League is a it's a it's a pretty big organization sure. for a, a group of kids. But um, now, are you on down Lake Champlain in Chasey or Chasey Lake? No, uh, Lake Champlain. Oh, nice. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yeah, like so. I said, that's my stomping. We grew up there, so it's like I love love going down that area. Um, and so the golf. When did you start playing golf? Um, pretty young. I mean, my my dad played. My two brothers played. Um, played in high school and then kind of stopped. I mean, I played, but it wasn't. Cause I was into, into hockey yeah. at that point, you know, I would still play once a week or whatever, or a couple times a week or a couple times a month when I was kind of training for hockey and getting ready for that. Um, and then once I finished playing hockey, then I, I started playing more and it's one of those, like, sometimes you can play too much. Sometimes you can never play enough. Yeah. You're always trying to find that happy medium, but you know, just always, always loved it. And it's just a good, um, it's so different from hockey. Hockey's such a team sport and golf is so individual and, and nobody can help you. And, and I, I love that part about it too. Do, do you, uh, do you find a parallel between hockey to golf mechanically? Um, no. It, and, and this is the reason why I say it is because in hockey, I'm looking at the net mm-hmm. in golf. I'm looking at the ball or supposed to be, <laughs> you know, but you, you play hockey so much, like your tendency is, is to look. So when I struggle in golf, it's cause I'm not looking at the ball and it, and it's just, you know, that millions of shots that I've taken playing hockey, it's just the natural reaction. Yeah. So I really have to fight that. But I mean, I guess there's some, some parallels to it, but I think that's a big one that actually affects, hurts you negatively. Hurts um, me anyway. Yeah, because I wasn't because you see like all the celebrity golf tournaments and like was it a, um, I'm trying to think of the go- the golfer. There's a co- there's a golfer. The hockey player. There's a few hockey players that are really good golfers. So I'm yeah. like, there's got to be something that translates. But then I know like Steph Curry's a good golfer and he plays basketball. He's I think six foot four or whatever. Yeah, I think it's just the the season. I didn't know if it, 
Uh, well, I was thinking like mechanically, like there's a lot of rotation in hockey, a lot of leg drive, like, right? Yeah, I'm assuming sure. leg drive in hockey, sure. it would be a slap shot or a wrist shot or something. You kind of, you're twisting and you're driving and you're. I'm sure there probably is some similarities. I, I just think it's more of a, hey, this is what we do in the in the summer. This is what we do in the winter yeah, type thing. Yeah, so you separate it? Yeah, I, that's how I think it is. Um, yeah, no, go- golf's a, golf's a tough yeah it's a tough sport i love it but it's uh and it, you i saw you, you you're originally from pennsylvania mm-hmm. so what's where in pennsylvania philly so did you golf anything out in the philly area yeah so we, we used to play all the time and i was fortunate when i was in high school philadelphia's a golf crazy because marion's down there marion's down there there's a ton of great private golf courses down around around huntington yeah. valley uh, Lulu Country Club, uh, manufacturers. I mean, there's a ton. And when we were in high school, our golf team used to play. All of our matches were on these prestigious That's so private cool. courses that, like, you could never get on there unless, unless, and they're letting the you know twelve high school kids out there yeah. play, which was phenomenal. But to be able to do that every every day was, was great for us. And so I was lucky for that. And, and my oldest brother, Jeff was a golf pro for a couple of years. Um, he was in the golf business and, and worked. And then my, but my middle brother, Mike, he's the golfer in the family. He's real good. He's played in, uh, like three or four U S AMs. Wow. Um, you know, mid AMs he's played on the national stage. So he, he, he can play. And, so he's, he's the, he's the golfer in the group. So, but my, like I said, my dad got us all involved with it and we just kind of followed him around and then I followed them around. So, um, have you played Marion? I have never played Marion. I was at the U S open there when they had it in 13, 13. Yeah. yeah I, well, I was, I was, I was down there too and watched it. So I used to like, again, it was a big golf nut and slowly getting back into it now that, you know, I'll get there eventually, but it's, uh, no, it's a beautiful course. I just remember it being kind of a tight course. Yeah. Um, I remember it being a lot like little bottle, at least for fan wise, a lot of bottlenecks. But I remember watching Phil because he, I think, took second in it yeah. behind Justin Rose, yeah, and it was. Yeah. Uh, I remember him holding out on a shot. I remember seeing it live, and I just saw him hole out shot, and it was of course like in contention. It was going crazy. I'm a Phil guy, so like right. Phil winning the other day, I was like, I was so excited. Um, did you watch that? I PGA? did. Yeah, that was awesome. Are you uh, like, were you a Tiger guy, Phil guy? I like them both. Yeah. They both bring different things, in my opinion, to the to the game. You never know when Phil's gonna, you know, do something. Phil. really good or yeah. something really bad the, the, the pure know. the pure phil mickelson um do, do you watch a lot of golf um are you like a golf i do you know i like to watch a majors the big tournaments yeah you know I, i'm always kind of keeping my eye on it but you know that day kind of actually my son had a had a lacrosse tournament in potsdam and i got in the car it was like 3 30 I'm like, let's go. And I put it on the radio and he was on the second hole. And I'm like, he bogeyed one. He's already losing. What is going on? Yeah. Like, here we go again, you know? So I listened to that for like, whatever, an hour and a half till I got back and then just sat. In the chair. Yeah. You know, I think, I think tons of people watch that. Just he, Tiger and Phil bring other people into the game that don't normally would watch a tournament. I, I saw the stat the other day. Jordan Spieth lost this past week. So they said Jordan Spieth, with a 54 hole lead has a 50% success ratio of winning Dustin Johnson, Rory. And they said someone else forgot who it was. Uh, and Justin Thomas had about the same, about a 50% success rate. Tagger in his career was 55 for 59. And I'm like, that's just insane. Yeah. I remember saying, I'm like, I remember watching him just in his prime, 
if he had a lead, you're done. Yep. The only person I knew that beat him, I think, was Y.E. Yang in a PGA. Yeah, right. Which is like the flukiest thing ever. And I think it was like, I don't know if it was a playoff or going into a playoff, but it was just one of those deals. It's like that guy could just close game matches out or match rounds, tournaments, whatever. Um, the freakiest, I'd say freakiest from like a athletic standpoint, 2002, they had a U.S. Open, uh, Beth Page Black. I was a kid. I remember watching... And you know they walk between the ropes. They pull the ropes out, and the players go from you know green to tee. Tagger walked by, and then Tagger plus eighty eight people in the entourage with the cameras and stuff. He walked by, and I guarantee you, he couldn't see a person. Yeah, like his eyes were so focused, and he was just walking by, and it almost looked like a possessed person. Like holy crap, like almost scary to look at him. Right, and right. he just like get up the next hole and just rip it. And I'm like, you know, we're playing golf, and we're joking around and stuff. It's just like a totally this guy is so dialed in, and it's. It's cool to see, yeah. But it's also like when you talk about back to originally with hockey, it's like the people that mentally just are so like obsessed with it that it doesn't stop them. Because you got to look at like guys like Sidney Crosby, who's been in the league for how long and is still really good. Like, how do they stay at that level year in and year out? Yeah, I mean it's physically physical, but there's got to be a mental aspect to it where they're just they refuse to lose. Like a Michael Jordan, like yeah. I just won't lose, and right. it's like. Okay, psycho, but yeah, you won't. <laughs> like, you're good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it is. It's, uh, you know, hockey's different, too. It's such a game of mistakes. There's a thousand mistakes in a game, you know, and, and it's kids that can kind of learn from those mistakes but not let it affect them that do really well. It's guys that, oh, I I turn the puck over, and then they come to the bench, and they're all down, and, they're, and they can't recover mm-hmm. in the next two minutes to get back out there. Those are the guys that struggle. So you do have to have that kind of like short memory and, and, and forget about all that, the bad things that happen. You probably did 20 good things out there too. And you're worried about the one bad thing that, so what, you know, just, just keep playing. Were you like that as a player? Or were you able to bounce back? You think, um, I would like to think I was, I probably, probably for this level, I was mm-hmm. probably at the next level. I maybe not good enough um, at that, you know, maybe along with other things, but you know, I, I always tried to kind of touch on it earlier. I thought my way around the rink a little bit. I wasn't the fastest guy, but I thought I was pretty smart and, and could jump into holes and, and find the soft areas and the gray areas to get to where other people weren't, or, you know, try to get to where, try to anticipate, Again, I mean, I always remember my father always said, that, like, you have to think, you know, you have to anticipate where the puck's going to go and, and, and not and not where it is. And, you know, always that was always in the back of my mind. So um, you were an All-American for how many? Was it two years? Two. Um, now, how does the All-American work when like how many people become an All-American for at least for D3 hockey? Um, is it was it like first team, second team? Yeah, like, two teams. East, two teams in the West. So at that point, there was, uh, you know, six forwards, four D, and, and two goalies. So each year you were the top six forward, or one of the top six, yeah, forwards in the nation. Yeah, so they, well, that was for East and West. Okay. So if I re, if Oh, I, I got you, so three and two. So there's 12, maybe, 12, 12 forwards. Okay. I, I might be wrong on that. I can't remember. But it's um, a very exclusive club, obviously. So you, yeah. had to be part of, you had to be part of the all-conference team. Okay. To get nominated to be the All American, and then the, that yeah. ballot would go out, and then they would choose you from there. That makes sense. Yeah. Is it based on coaches' pick? Yeah, it's all coaches' pick. So. Um, I mean, that's got to be how. How was that like getting that as a kid? 
Like as you know, or as a kid, but you know, college player, yeah, young adult. That was uh, it was great honor. I mean, there's, I don't know how many players have played here at Plattsburgh, but there's only probably now there might be twenty guys that have been all American, chosen all American. So it is great honor. It's it yeah. was fun, but part most of that was our teams were good. Yeah. So you played with good players. You were successful. You know, we made it to the final four, you know, you made it to the national tournament. So that helped you. Mm-hmm. And then you're playing with other guys that ended up being all Americans, maybe not that year, but the following year. Did you go to the it. final four? We had the final four here my senior year. What year was that? 98. So I went to the, I believe it was the semifinal game. Yeah. As a kid, I think that was my first ever hockey game. Stevens Point. Yes. We lost to them. Yeah. Okay, so I didn't know. I, I, like I said, I don't think I made the whole game. I was a young kid at the time, <laughs> but I think that was the first game I ever went to. Um, so Stevens Point, you were a senior. Yep. How, how did they pick who hosted the finals? So back then, it was just whoever was the highest ranked team left. Okay. So we were, I think we were first or second ranked team oh so they, they don't know ahead, ahead of they time. didn't know at, ahead of the time oh no. so um and we just they were better than us yeah you know even though they they didn't they didn't win it but they were just better than us and who, who won it that year middlebury that was in their reign of like multiple <laughs> i I, re, I do remember one game plattsburgh was playing does it make sense they would have played a three-game tournament like mini playoff yep. thing yep. what was what what would the what would have that or what yeah so it could have been um it was at plattsburgh we beat them we had to play three games middlebury it was middlebury so that was probably the ncaa quarterfinals okay are uh, you remember the game that uh mike Dao scored it might have been like yeah. and ended their reign i think so because i remember this I say obviously not vividly because I'm asking you the questions, but I, I remember going to every single game as a kid, and it was huge because Plattsburgh, we were playing home against Middlebury. Middlebury had a ton of people there. It was packed. It was the old stadium, yep. the old bleachers. Um, I remember we – I thought it went to a Sunday game. Am I, am I crazy to think that, or would it have um, been – I think that – I think the year you're thinking of is probably 2000. It could have been, yeah. And they had won – whatever, like four in a row. Mm-hmm. And Mike Dow scored to, you know, to, to win the game. It might've been overtime. I can't remember exactly how it was. I was at that game. I came up um, from Philadelphia to watch that game. And so he scored to end it. And that was, that was huge. Was it multiple games though? It was two games. Yep. It was always two games. So you played two games in a mini game. So if you split, you went one yes, and one. Yes, that was it. You'd played a 20-minute mini game. And that, it wasn't overtime. It could be the, the score could be 5-2 in the mini game. And they would reset? After the, after the second game, they would reset it. So yeah. maybe, they, maybe they won both games and avoided the mini game. Maybe that was it. I don't know. It was something, it was something crazy because they beat Middlebury. Yeah. So whether they played the middle game or not... Um, or the mini game or not, I don't know, but I just remember that being a huge thing as a kid because I just you heard about Middlebury, Middlebury, yeah. and finally they won at home and people were going crazy. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I just like for me that was one of the memories that I have of Plattsburgh, just like winning. I never saw any of the Final Four games because they, they didn't host any of the games like back in the day. But I remember 2001 vi- fairly vividly as a kid. You know that was yeah. right in my heyday of watching it. But 
the, the atmosphere that was crazy back then. It was packed. I just remember the amount of people. And I mean, do you find, is that something that you think they can get back to? I think so. I think we need to do some work. Yeah. You know, I think we need to do some work in the community. I think we need to, you know, there's talk about maybe restructuring the, the, the tickets and the season ticket holders and, and letting people come back, you know, still have the season ticket holders possibly. And then letting the general admission back in instead of having assigned seats. So now you can come in with your friend, you know, a group of 10 and, mm-hmm. and all sit together where you couldn't find 10 seats together previously. So yeah. there's some discussion about that. I don't, hopefully it goes through We're we're still trying to figure out the, you know, the good and bad points of it. Um, but that's something that we'd like to do. And, and again, I think, you know, creating that blue line club, I think getting, you know, I keep looking at your Adirondack young professionals and, uh, yeah. you know, getting involved with groups like that and, and creating a, a little bit different atmosphere, a younger atmosphere and, um, well, reaching out to people that that group. So I'm kind of in, involved with it. I mean, a lot of people in that group and that would be a great group of they've tried to do stuff with the college. I don't know if you've ever like tapped in the teams like, you know, trying to because that's a good group of people, to, you mm-hmm. know, because it's a whole group. They kind of keep each other accountable. But I think for a lot of those players, if they're looking at obviously going above and beyond, you know, to other hockey you know, dreams afterwards, that's one thing, but a lot of those people aren't. So like a lot of the kids, it's like, Hey, you're doing your four years, have fun, play as much as you can, you know, and trying to get in, you know, mingle with the community a little bit. And I think that's a good, you know, transition into, you know, instead of like popping you into a chamber event or popping you into like a, an event with adults, like old adults, you know, where they get kind of more intimidated. That could be something, um, you should check with, uh, Megan Whedon's the yep. president, yep. you know, Meg, I do. Okay. Um, who doesn't, I was going to say, yeah, she's, she's the, she's the unofficial mayor, I think, but, uh, or if not, her father is. So, um, but if you, um, yeah, if you check with her, that's something that you might be able to have like a collaboration there with, um, to try to get them out in the community. I know they do a lot of community service, but even trying to get the kids, you know, to do something where they mingle a little bit more with like the young business network because you you get kids from Meg's mid twenties, I'm early thirties. I mean, you start looking at you know, basically people within their peer group for probably 10 years. And it's a great, I think it's a great networking opportunity for some kids and yeah. maybe it'll lead to opportunity with the blue line club and with some other affiliates or whatever that you guys can then, you know, you know, try to push towards the hockey. Cause it is a cool, I mean, again, I love all the sport. I love Plattsburgh, love all the sports, but like hockey draws the biggest crowds. Hockey draws, has the most success from a, you know, basketball's done well the last few years. You know, there's been some, but I think hockey, if you take the whole, history of the program is really like our top program. Yeah. I I think, um, anything that we can do, our, our community supports our, all of our athletic programs phenomenally. If there's something that we can do and get together and and create exciting atmosphere, create more relationships, create opportunities for kids, maybe to get internships, Mm -hmm. you know, anything along those lines that, Hey, these guys, you know, Adirondack young professionals, they just, they just went through what these guys are going through. Or, yeah. you know, they, they were just there a couple of years ago. So they know what it's like to find a job and, and how to go about it. So mm-hmm. um, it's just such a good community and, and how every, we all try to look out for each other mm-hmm. at the end of the day and, and try to help each other out. And and maybe that's something that we can we can uh, dive into. And, and Meg's certainly one that I have, you know, I've already talked to her dad, too, about yeah. it. You know, we're she's going to be we're going to tap into her and try yeah. to use she's a go-getter yeah. too so okay. she'll she'll open any she'll she'll be open to any uh type of uh yeah like i said affiliation or any type of just you know 
connection of the two groups. I'm sure she's all for it and would, would spearhead it very well to help you with that. So, um, but anything else you want to mention about Plastic State, Plastic State Hockey going forward? Any Anything for people? Obviously, you went through the pandemic. We didn't get too much into that, but pandemic, I'm sure, has thrown you for a little bit of a loop. Yeah, it did. I mean, it, it hurt. Obviously, oh, canceled the season. Which right. Is- with First and foremost, yeah, we lost the season. We were fortunate enough to get on the ice basically from Christmas to March 15th, but, you know, we didn't have our full team. We had 12. Uh, no, no, no. We had nine guys stay home and take their classes at home. So that's a different kind of feel to it, too. Um, The one thing the pandemic did, our guys killed it in class. Like, we have our highest GPA ever. Wow, good. Which is incredible. So some good things did come out uh, from the pandemic. But, you know, I think think just the excitement and, and, you know, doing things like this and trying to create some excitement and, hey – that's right. We do have, you know, we do have athletics coming up, not yeah. just hockey. We we do have soccer. We have, you know, volleyball. We have all sorts of different things coming up, like get back into the community, helping out Plattsburgh State. And because I think, if, you know, we, we as I mentioned earlier, we both help each other out. Mm-hmm. You know, the community helps the, the college out and, and the college kids can help the community out, too. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a college town sure. at the end of the day, when, especially when all those kids, I say all the kids, but even a few thousand kids coming in. Plastic's not a big place, so that's a, it's a big influx of people. Um, well, Steve, I appreciate you coming on. Um, the hockey season this year, it, it starts roughly about what, early November, late October? Uh, yeah, we'll start our first two official home games are, are um, Halloween weekend. Okay, so- and who are you playing? We have Plymouth State on Friday and Castleton State on Saturday, so that'll be exciting. Nice. We got we got to beat Castleton, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how many guys are still there from when you were. No, but. no, they've all. Uh... Thanks for listening to the Galen Trombley Show. If you want to reach me, you can go on Facebook at Galen Trombley, on Instagram at Galen Trombley, and on YouTube at Galen Trombley. The spelling: G A E L A N T R O M B L E Y.